G'day guys, and welcome back to our latest Glory Days episode, a story that captures the emotional premiership season of the Talangata Bushrangers, who defied heartbreaking tragedy to take out a gripping 2014-15 Cricket or Brewadonga Premiership. Before we start, a huge thanks to episode sponsors, NZ Aubrey, Keating Avery Solicitors, and Complete Wealth for making it possible. Okay, let it rip, Robbie. Oh, he's been amazing for the club. JT, horrible what he had to experience in life. Two young kids, um, he wouldn't wish him upon anyone. But he, his strength and character of, of that week was just outstanding, really. You know, he come there with a real positive attitude. Basically said to us boys that forget about it, get on with it and win it. That the rest of it will take care of itself. And I think it could have went two ways. Like that training run, we all could have probably buried our heads in the sand and just felt sorry for ourselves. But when he sort of come with that sort of attitude, a few of us more senior sort of blokes got on board with that, carried it free for him. But over the days past, look, you know, just even, even the way he handled that and, and going forward, he's been a real strength, him and Manny Chisari and blokes like that. Like, we're just lucky to have those sort of people about the club and, and the kids have grown up. He's done, done a great job with these little kids, good kids, you know, they're doing well for themselves. So JT's um, still doing his best he can for the crew club. Crew club always comes first for him, which is take your hat off to people like that. Yeah, look, obviously mum meant a lot. I think you ask most people on the street, I think you get a pretty common answer what their mums mean to them. She was as good as it gets. Obviously it gets hard sometimes, you know, you reach those milestones when celebrating with their parents as you should be, finishing school, milestone birthdays, all that sort of stuff. It gets hard sometimes. Just be grateful for what we have. Just push on, I guess. Dad was incredible, obviously. It was a pretty tough time at home. Managed to still put others before himself every day back then. Still he does now, obviously. You know, back then I couldn't really comprehend how hard he was uh, working and, and everything he was going through. You know, he was tremendous. Just being able to run a business, run a farm, president the career club, have two teenage kids while going through all that as a single father was um, pretty incredible. And looking back on it and reflecting, sort of realised just how good he was. And um, obviously didn't understand it back then and probably was a bit... Bit hard on him sometimes. He was great and he still is, so yeah, he was amazing. G'day all and thanks for tuning in for another Glory Days episode. This one is remarkable for many things, as you will find out. But what really stands out is the value of community spirit, leadership and mateship to overcome adversity thrown at a community and a family just days before the season's biggest challenge. Special thanks to the Thomas family, father JT, daughter Ebony and son Jonty for sharing parts of their story that captures the spirit and love of a community club who reached out when most needed. I hope you enjoy Tolangata, Heart of the Bushies. The Tolangata Bushies went into the 2014-15 season hell-bent on breaking a 17-year premiership drought and keen to atone for what they considered a lost opportunity the previous season when they bowed out in the first week of finals to topside Wodonga. A major blow to the Bushies was the loss of star all-rounder Andrew Laid, who crossed to rival club St Patrick's where his son was playing. Laid had scored 766 runs and taken 29 wickets in the previous season. But it was not all bad news with the return of English all-rounder James Wheel, who had played two years previous with the Bushies. Another Englishman, Josh Bousfield, also joined the Bushies after playing the previous season in Western Australia. Bousfield had played previously with Durham in county cricket. Star all-rounder Nathan Thompson and Bushies' favourite son, 
Clint Reid were also back after missing the previous season. Tolangata Club President John Thomas tells how both Wheel and Bousfield ended up at the Bushies and just how much part of the family they became. 97-98 when Neil Colleen came over and, and played with us, contracted player at Durham at the time, so he was a first class player. He played the season with us and he went back to Durham and became the Durham record games holder there and had a great career and then he went into coaching and and with Durham and, and worked with their academy and I think their academy is regarded as probably the number one academy in the UK. So it would be silly of us if we didn't try and tap into that. So uh, we always kept in contact. We were really good good mates and I went over, Carmen and I went over for his wedding and so I did a quick trip for that, which was fantastic and touched base with Killer and he arranged Paul Coglin to come over first. Paul came over 11-12, James came in 12-13 and then Coggo came back at Christmas time, 12-13. Uh, Carmen and I found that was um, really good to have two in yeah. the house. It, they'd sort of bounce off each other and it was just a fun place to be. So um, James got injured, he didn't play anything for the next 12 months and then I guess we made contact regarding James coming back over because we were talking to with Neil regarding um, Josh Bassfield. Josh was going to come and he was part of the academy and so Josh and Wills were, were good mates. I suggested to James that maybe he could come over because he wasn't bowling but just come over as be a specialist bat and <laughs> spend the summer with us and that was all good. Arrived together and I went down and picked him up and it was just great to have someone who'd been here before and, and then have um, Josh as newcomers, so it was easier for Josh too, that transition. It was just fantastic having the two boys, like, always laughter in the house and they're just family. Like, when we first decided, like, Carmen first suggested that we take these boys in when we decided to go down the overseas path. We just said, well, if we're going to do it, get them into a family atmosphere and, and they become family other than just giving them room and, and feeding them. It, it's, we're either all in or all out. And right now, I've got four or five English sons, I call them, and got an Indian one, and and um, so it's it's just fantastic. We always thought it was really good for the kids too. Different people in the house and big relatives. That's all they are. That's the way they they were brought in, and and we'd have hallway cricket every night, and and we got a pool that that year that James and Josh were there, and and you couldn't get the smile off their faces when the pool went in, and I'd get home from work and get a beer shoved in my hand, and four hours later we go to bed. So it was um yeah, it was great. Carmen was always a tennis player and a pretty handy tennis player and kids came along that tennis, she kept on playing but then I think she probably had enough of, of tennis and, and it was actually in Paul's year, she said, oh, I'm not going to play tennis and um, I thought, oh yeah, okay, well, you'll come watch me play cricket and, and the first game came along, she said, well, where are you playing? And I said, oh, I'm at showgrounds and she said, okay, well, I'll be at Rowan Park, I'll go watch Paul. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. And then, um, yeah, Nearly every week that year, she took the kids to watch Paul and, and the kids loved it and, and and she really got into it. And then the, um, the next time we had James and Paul here and she did the same thing and it was just going to watch watch her boys play. And, and with Neil having that relationship with us, we always knew that we'd get the right people to come to us. We were very comfortable with it. If we had to go out somewhere, all the kids were were safe and they'd stay with the boys and the boys look after them and again that big brother situation and the house was always full of voices and and laughter and carry on and I remember walking out one morning off to go to work at 5.30 or 6 o'clock here are the two boys who were playing some sort of uh, Bradman cricket game on TV when I went to bed and I got up and there they were still playing, dressed in their whites, <laughs> zinc cream and, and everything. And I had to take a photo of it because um, you don't see that sort of thing. So no, they really relaxed in, in the atmosphere and, and the surroundings. Yeah. And I think that was pretty a, a key for their performances. 
Talangata was granted admission into the Auburn Border Cricket Association for the 1995-96 season, and in just its third year, they defeated Lavington in a high-scoring 1997-98 grand final at the Lavington Sports Club Oval. Steve Wood, who played in that premiership, was the only player from that team still playing in the seniors at Talangata. Club president, John Thomas, had also played in the 97-98 winning side. Another player who played that year was Neil Colleen, who was the original link to the Bushies attracting English players to the club. Colleen, a legend of the Durham County Cricket Club, explains. My initial association with Talangara um, started whilst playing club cricket in the um, where I came across Cade Brown during a game against Seton Byrne, which is where he was overplaying for the summer. Through these games, I struck up quite a strong friendship with Cade um, and he used to come and, and stay with me and my parents at our house. And I think he quite enjoyed my mum's hospitality and he uh, used to stay over here quite often. We'd go out for a few beers and we built up a, a real strong friendship. And it was then that uh, Cade suggested that I followed out and played for Talangara. So that's, that came around and I went out there and stayed with his mum and dad. It was a great experience. I loved playing for the club, made some fantastic friends for life, which is where the association with JT and Carmi came. We spent quite a lot of time uh, socialising together as well as playing together on the field. We became uh, really strong friends and my wife-to-be, Claire, came out. Well, I actually proposed whilst I was over there in Australia and parents also followed me out there and we progressed to the final. Um, unfortunately, I was recalled by Durham before that final. I wasn't able to uh, to play. Bushies went on to win the grand final that year and um, the friendship continued and we, we stayed in, in close contact. When I got married, um, JT and Carmi came over for the wedding. A fantastic time when they came over and we continued that association for the next few years and as I progressed through my career at Durham from a playing point of view and then moving into coaching role I started to look at um, the opportunities of sending some of the players out to Talangara which is where um, James, Josh Bousfield all went out there and, and played. They were there when fortunately Carmen passed away and were there when they won the flag again and these friendships continued long may they continue hopefully um, again some more friends of mine through my club that I'm now associated with over here stayed with JT as well um, JT and the kids have been back out here and, and spent some time with us out here as well and, and I'm sure that will happen again very very soon I'm looking forward to, to going back out there and watching uh, my youngest son play out there now um, hopefully Mitch who's now on the academy at Durham will get the opportunity in the next couple of seasons to, to hopefully go out and play for Talangada as well which would be a great continuation of the both the relationship and the friendship it's um, it's certainly somewhere which is a place which is fun to my heart the people out there are certainly people who are, are class as great friends especially JT who I would class as one of my best friends and um, I can't wait to, to get out there and, and see everyone out there again Since that win, they had made it through to two grand finals, losing to North Albury in the 99-2000 season and runners-up again to East Albury in 2007-08. Matt Armstrong, who first played for the Bushies in the 2006-07 season, was reappointed captain coach. Armstrong was coming off a solid season with over 500 runs and 21 wickets in 2013-14. The local media had installed St Patrick's as Premiership favourite, ahead of defending Premier's Wodonga with East Albury next in line. Talangata was given little chance with half the experts 
tipping the Bushies to not play finals. The season opener was a home clash with Wodonga Raiders and with Matt Armstrong, Steve Wood, James Wheel, Josh Bousfield and Ned McCormack missing, they were thrashed by the Raiders to the tune of 126 runs. Armstrong had injured himself on an overseas holiday in the pre-season, as he explains. You know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So basically I was travelling with Beth, my partner, and neither of us are real big gamblers, but started on a night out with some pokies and played a little bit of blackjack and then tried our hand at the craps table. After a few hours of craps, we were kind of balling out and because we'd played for so long, the waitresses were bringing us blue label scotches for free and we ended up winning a few bucks and had a few laughs and eventually declared our innings and headed back to our hotel room. Beth was pretty happy because we agreed if uh, we won some money, she was going to buy some new shoes the next day. So she had her eye on some high heel shoes that she saw and on the walk home we basically decided to take a shortcut through a construction site uh, near the casino and I basically fell over and rolled my ankle. Um, the next day was pretty swollen, so instead of shoe shopping, we hit up the ER for a scan. I managed to tear two ligaments in the chip, a little bit of a piece off the bone in my ankle. I basically spent the rest of the trip in the moon boot and riding an ability scooter around Las Vegas and ended up missing the first three games of 2014. Worked out okay for Beth, because uh, I went back there a few years later on a boys trip and um, as a bit of a surprise gift, I actually bought her the Manolo Blonick shoes that she was looking at the first time around, so all's well that ends well. Round two was the first of the two-day matches with a trip to Urana Road to take on New City. James Wheel, Josh Bousfield and Ned McCormack were back, but still no Matt Armstrong or Steve Wood. In a high-scoring match, New City, after being sent in on day one, batted all day to make five for 255. Bousfield, on debut, impressed, despite not taking a wicket, finishing with none for 27 or 15 overs, while Wheel only bowled the four overs due to a troublesome back injury. Despite a superb 115 from opener Fraser Bremner and handy contributions from Jeff McGulvray 40 and McCormack 38, the Bushies finished 11 runs short at 9 for 244 to make it back-to-back -back losses. Wheel, in his return, was out LBW first ball, while Bousfield made 18. Back to Rowan Park for round three against undefeated North Aubrey. The Bushies were still without Matt Armstrong and Steve Wood. Talangada, after winning the toss and batting, made a reasonable start before a constant flow of wickets and batters failing to convert starts were rolled for 147 in the 45th over. Four players, Nathan Thompson, Josh Bousfield, Ben Allen and Tim Farrant made it into the 20s. North Albury, with 32 overs to bat, collapsed in the day, losing three late wickets to be reeling at stumps at seven for 87 and putting Talangata back in the box seat to get its first win for the season. Day two provided no joy for the Bushies' attack, with North Albury adding 210 runs for the loss of just two wickets, with wicketkeeper Craig Taylor making an unbeaten 101, as North Albury finished nine for 297 when stumps were called early. Josh Bousfield bowled 25 overs for his two wickets and Sam Stevens 18 overs for three wickets. The Bushies, after three straight losses, were last on the ladder, with an away clash against Premiership favourites St Patrick's next up. Captain Matt Armstrong was back for his first game of the season and, as he explains, was fortunate enough to win the toss and bat due to rather unforeseen circumstances leading into the game. 
Uh, yeah, so basically we're playing some pats at Xavier at this stage in the season. We're zero and three and last on the ladder. And I'm coming back from injury and we've got the two palms playing. So we've trained pretty well and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the game, to be honest. Um, and normally we get there about an hour before the start of the game, you know, run through our plans, have a warm up, etc. Gets to about 20 past 11 and the game starts at 12 and we're still missing three players. So I ring Tomo and he answers and blurts out, yeah, sorry, Matty, we had a bit of a big night last night. And we got pulled over because the brake lights weren't working and um, the driver of the car has actually blown over the limit. So I said to him, okay, well, can't you just drive? And he's like, well, I think all five of us are actually still over the limit and we're currently in the Divi van heading to the Wodonga lockup. So I had Timmy Farrant in my side and he'd just um, joined the police force at the time. So so he agreed to, to jump in his car and go to Wodonga and, and collect the lads and had about 35 minutes left till the start of play at that point in time. I then went out to the middle in my, my whites and had a pretty important toss uh, as we only had seven players at the ground at the time. And uh, to their credit, the umpires and and Kano, Aaron Darchikis were both pretty good about everything and, and they agreed that we could delay the start if we needed to. But um, luckily I won the toss. We batted first. Timmy rescued the lads from Uncle Sam and, and we made about 220, I think, and, and ended up de- defending it. And we got our first, first real win of the season. So easy game, really. So the odds of a win against the strong Paddy's bowling lineup had plummeted further after the chaotic pre-game circus and the goings-on of the night before. However... Against all odds, the Bushies put together its best batting performance of the season to post a respectable 7 for 215 off its allotted 50 overs. Seven batters past 20, with James Wheel blasting a runner ball 36 to top score. Constable Tim Farrant, 27 not out, was part of another rescue mission with him, and Sam Stevens, 24 not out, added an unbeaten 43 runs for the eighth wicket, while openers Greg McGilvray and Torquay McKillop, 22, and McGilvray, 28, made a solid start. St. Patrick's made an excellent start to the run chase and at one for 63, were on target to inflict the visitors' fourth straight loss. The introduction of Matt Armstrong and Nathan Thompson to the bowling crease slowed the run rate and the wickets started to fall to have Paddy's four for 93 after 30 overs. St. Pat's again looked in control at four for 141, but another Bushies fight back took the last five wickets for 46 runs, with Paddy's batting a man short to be all out on the fall of the ninth wicket for 187 to complete a funny old day's cricket that had registered the Bushies' first win. Next, the Bushies welcomed defending Premier's Wodonga to Rowan Park for another one-day clash, and it turned out to be another great result for Talangata, beating the Doggies by just nine runs in a cracking contest on a brilliant wicket that produced excellent cricket. Nathan Thompson, 73, and James Wheel, 54, showed their class in a 90-run stand to allow the Bushies to post nine for 224, with Wodonga spinner James Tonkin taking five wickets. Wodonga, despite 62 from skipper Robbie Jackson, fell short in a gripping finish as the Bushies made a back-to-back wins over last year's grand finalists to gain confidence and momentum into its season. There was no rest for the players in CRW with another one-day game the following day, with Steve Wood making his first senior appearance for the year as the Bushies took on East Aubrey at Alexandra Park. Winning the toss and batting, Talangata were bowled out for 169, with Nick Wood top scoring with an unbeaten 48. Fraser Bremner and Josh Bousfield both made 31. East Aubrey, with Alex Popko making 69, cruised to victory, losing just four wickets and with eight overs to spare, and leaving the Bushies in eighth position with two wins and a loss. Round seven was a trip to Lavington Sports Ground to take on the Lavington Panthers. In a nail-biting finish, Talangata 
courtesy of a 23-run last wicket stand between James Wheel, 59 not out, and Nick Wood, 7 not out, one off the second last ball. Wheel was the difference, taking three for 25 and then orchestrating victory with a superb innings that turned almost certain defeat into an unlikely victory. Matty Armstrong tells what made Wheel such a good player. I love playing with Wheely. I reckon I had a bit of a man crush on, on James from when he first arrived. He just moves the right way and, he, and you know, looks like he's born to do it or he belongs on a cricket field. Some of his attributes, you know, he can bowl 130 plus and he can swing the ball both ways. He moves beautifully in the field for a big guy. He's a good athlete and he's one of the best fielders we've ever seen. And then with the bat, um, you know, he's got such fast hands and he hits the ball so hard. He's got the ability to score quickly and just change the game. Sometimes he hits a good ball for six and just leaves people bewildered. So kind of the perfect cricketer and, and the ideal recruit for local um, or, a, you know, a domestic side. So all that aside, though, the thing that I reckon I noticed the most about him that he's, he just was supremely confident. He truly believed he could do anything on the field. Prepared that way, the way that he trained, you know, he would always do things to the extreme. He was really sharp-witted as well. Unusual ability to make the batsman all always feel uneasy when they were at the crease. That was something that was really important. I think the other thing that we noticed is that um, he's just a, such a good lad that everyone loved playing with him. So all the other players would play above their pay grade when we had Jimmy in the side. The return to two-day cricket in round eight will forever be remembered for the amazing innings by Talangata opener, Torquay McKillop, who batted the whole 80 overs to finish unbeaten on 205 in the Bushies' score of 8 for 331 against Wodonga Raiders at Birralee Park. The innings included 25 boundaries and two sixes, with McKillop becoming only the seventh player to pass 200 in the history of the competition. One of those players was McKillop's teammate, Steve Wood, who made 209 in the 2002-03 season. Talangata were ruthless on day two, bowling Raiders out for 69, with James Wheel taking four for 12 in 16 overs and Sam Stevens three for 14 off 10 overs. But the match belonged to Torquay McKillop, who sadly passed away in March 2021. Torquay was a respected member of the veterinary community. His unique personality, quick wit and a sense of humour made him immensely popular at the Talangata Cricket Club and in the wider community. A skipper, Matty Armstrong reflected. Yeah, I love Torkel. Top fella. Uh, rest in peace. I just remember Torkel, he was he was really dry and he had no filter. So you kind of always knew where you stood with Torkel. There wasn't any guessing. And he had a real dry sense of humour, as I said. Good story about Torkel. I think he was uh, actually with Holbrook playing his first game for Holbrook. And um, to set the scene, Torkel can't bowl. Like he bowls in the nets and he bowls it into the side net. It's one in every three balls. It doesn't even hit. The... He turned up to Holbrook to play his first game and I said, oh yeah, I'm an opening bowler. I proceeded to bowl the first three balls off the pitch uh, wide. As a cricketer, I think he he was really underrated. He was such a super competitive dude. On the field, he would do anything to help his team win. He had an innate ability to score off people's good balls too. He was there for his double turn, and that's a, a testament to his ability, and I was super pumped to see him do so well that day. His second hundred would have come off 30, 40 balls. He just whapped them everywhere. And No, he was just one of those guys you loved hanging around, and yeah, really sad to, to not have him with us and be able to celebrate our premiership together, you know, again in the future. Talangata were at home to St. Patrick's in round nine and maintained its great form with a thumping 96-run win after bowling the visitors out for 118 and then making 215 in reply. From overs 15 to 29, the Talangata bowlers gave up just four runs with Ned McCormack bowling seven consecutive maiden overs and taking two wickets in that period. 
Talangata were one for 66 at stumps on day one and continued on the next week to finish with 215. Josh Bousfield top scored with 52, while Nathan Thompson, 45, and Torquay McKillop, 41, continued their great form. So, at the Christmas break, Talangata, after a slow start, had made its way into the top six in fourth place. Wodonga on top, just three points ahead of East Aubrey, only three points separated North Aubrey, Talangata, Lavington and St Patrick's. Round 10 to start the new year was a washout, meaning that the first game back was against East Aubrey, who had won the toss and posted 198, being bowled out in the second last over. Clint Reid and Matt Armstrong took two wickets each, but it was again the ability of all bowlers to strangle the Crows' batters and force mistakes. None was better than James Wheel, with one for 33 off 19, and Armstrong, 40 runs off his 18 overs. Day two, however, belonged to the Crows, dismissing Talangata for 179, 21 runs short, after the home side looked well placed on several occasions to reach the target. Torquay McKillop, 38, James Wheel, 33, and Matt Armstrong, 32, all made starts but failed to convert. The turning point was when James McNeil had Wheel caught and bowled and Armstrong run out within three overs. Talangata also batted one short, with Clint Reid and Fraser Bremner both away on day two. Round 12 was a Saturday-Sunday encounter with Lavington at Rowan Park. The highlight of the game was the two centuries made, with Nathan Brown from Lavington making 121 on the Saturday and then Nathan Thompson turning up on the Sunday. Lavington made 225, with the Bushies doing a brilliant job in restricting them after the Panthers at one stage were three for 178 with 21 overs left. Skipper Matt Armstrong bowled superbly to take four for 52 off 25 overs, with his first nine overs going for just two runs with eight maidens, bowling at one stage 45 balls without a run. The run chase on Sunday saw two quick wickets fall. This brought the left-handed Nathan Thompson to the wicket, where he proceeded to torch the Panthers bowling to all parts of the oval, retiring on 105 after getting a call out to fight the bushfires. Thompson was on 99 when he got the emergency call on his phone to leave immediately. A quick summary of the situation and a gesture by Lavington captain Sam Harris, who was about to bowl the next over, to allow Thompson one more ball was accepted. In amazing scenes, Thompson whacked the first ball of Harris's over over the fence and into the nearby scrub to bring up his century. His innings included four sixes and 12 boundaries. Armstrong finished a great game with an unbeaten 59 and Ned McCormack 45 as Talangata finished five for 285 after being two for 31 after 23 overs. Talangata travelled to Kelly Park in Wodonga for the round 13 clash with Belvoir that was to be washed out on day two and the match drawn. Day one certainly belonged to the visitors who after a slow start pounded the Eagles attack to post 294. Six scores of over 30 set up the run purge after both openers were dismissed cheaply. Matt Armstrong, 63, Nathan Thompson, 48, James Wheel, 45, Fraser Bremner, 45, and Ned McCormack, 41, had set the scene. Belvoir spinner, Zach Simmons took five for 90 or 30 overs. Talangata suffered a rare home defeat in the next match, with Aubrey posting 265, with Cade Brown making a brilliant 102. Matt Armstrong again starred with the ball, taking five for 58 off 27 overs, while left arm quick Sam Stevens took three for 66 off 17 overs. 
The Telangula run chase got off to a terrible start, losing six for 86 after 24 overs. This brought together the two English housemates, James Wheel and Josh Bousfield, who added 114 runs for the seventh wicket in 25 overs. Jonty Thomas, son of club president John, spoke about his two English housemates. Having those two blokes over was quite an experience. They're both great blokes. Um, obviously our house is known as a bit of a backpacker's lodge over the years. Obviously getting to know James over a few seasons was great. You know, I love him. I and mean, Josh only came over for the one season, but his impact was tremendous. He was just an extremely hard worker. had a great attitude. Been a bit of an experience having them live with us, but yeah, it's been good. I think the best things about them was just the, you know, after school you come home, just hang out, do stuff around the house. You know, obviously we got the weir, so we'd go down there some days, go a bit of fishing, get the swing king out, do a bit in the front yard. Yeah, I think it was just the stuff around the house, like always something to do when you got two 20-year-olds living in your house pretty entertaining they like the farm work as well so that was good they're probably a bit better than me always something to do with them even just the car rides home from training when bousfield was dismissed for 53 it took the wind out of the telangata sails wheel was second last man out dismissed for 76 as the bushies fell 16 runs short all out 249 this meant that telangata had finished a home and away in fifth position on the ladder and a final the following weekend against last year's premiers wodonga East Aubrey finished on top, would play sixth place Lavington, while third place North Aubrey and St Patrick's would clash. Kelly Park was the venue for the semi-final clash with Fodonga. Winning the toss and batting, the Bushies found trouble right from the start, with only Greg McGilvray, 50, and James Wheel, 20, managing the Wodonga attack as they stumbled to seven for 94. All-rounder Nathan Thompson was unavailable on Saturday with his work as a firefighter, with Tim Farrant acting as his substitute. Bousfield 50 and Steve Wood 28 engineered a fight back, adding 65 for the eighth wicket as Talangata were bowled out for 180 in the 71st over. Wodonga faced six overs on day one and finished stumps at no wicket for 24. Resuming on the Sunday, Trent Ball and BJ Garvey moved the score along to no wicket for 84 after 28 overs before things started to change. Nathan Thompson took the wickets of Ball, 51, and Cooper Garoni for two. Then Josh Bousfield had Garvey caught behind to make it three wickets in 13 balls. Misley bowling for Matt Armstrong and Thompson paved the way for the introduction of a fearsome two-pronged attack of Steve Wood and a rejuvenated James Wheel that took the last seven wickets with the last five falling for just 19 runs after Wodonga looked home at five for 156. Wheel took four for 32 off 19 overs and Wood three for 43 off 20 overs. Matty Armstrong recalls the win. So we had to really work pretty pretty closely with James and, and take it easy to begin with. First half of the season, he, he really only bowled off four steps and his pace was right down as we were just trying to make sure his action was good and that his back wasn't going to fall a bit. With Woody, you know, he's got a pretty impressive physique coming towards the end of his career and um, bowling flat out for an hour really takes it out of you. So we're a bit mindful we didn't want to break Woody down in the first half of the year. And as we built through the year and we started to get a bit of momentum, it was a, a real conscious effort to, to really set ourselves up to be playing our best cricket in the final 
finals. So we had a pretty lean pre-season and I was injured and a few other bits and pieces, but started to come together during the year and James back got better as it went along and, and Woody started to bowl slightly longer spells. I remember the game against Wodonga in the semi-final and we'd posted a pretty meagre total of maybe 160 and they were none for 80 going pretty well and I just knew that was the, the moment that I had to unleash the boys. So um, even if it cost us for the week after, we had to win and that was going to be the end of the season if we lost. So yes, Woody came on from one end and, and I asked him just to bowl as quick as he possibly could and try and take a few heads off and knock some stumps out and I remember he got started with Robbie Jackson LBW and then um, James I basically had the same conversation with him I said now's the time mate and he started to get the ball going reverse so then he was bowling 135 from around the wicket and reverse swinging the ball in back towards the batsman and um, every time we lost a wicket you could see over to the, the dugout where the Wodonga boys were sitting and nobody wanted to bat it was um, you know both ends were some of the fastest spells I'd seen and, and we managed to win that game Jimmy and Woody got us across the line and Fridge took an amazing one-handed catch to get the 10th wicket before you knew it we're into the prelim but it certainly cost us that really just it really took it out of Woody and, and knocked him down a peg so we played that ace a bit early and, and yeah he took a while to get back from that so yeah he was sort of nullified in the in the grand final because his body wasn't quite right but yeah without that win and that was pretty key to the to the success we had during the season obviously so um, without that win we wouldn't have got any further so credit to the boys it's holding them back because I had aspirations of trying to win the flag and, and thankfully we got there in the end I didn't play my cards too late and mess it up. So from week one, Lavington and North Albury were eliminated with East Albury victory over Lavington taking them to the number one spot and Wodonga dropping to number fourth seed and a clash with East Albury. In the other preliminary final, it would be St. Patrick's at home to Tulangada. Paddy's beat North Albury by 77 runs at Bunton Park. Tulangada though would be without Nathan Thompson with his work commitments, forcing him to miss. Hard-hitting all-rounder Brett Bear-Allen came into the team. St. Pat's won the toss and batted into a strong position at three for 170 with 20 overs left. The return of James Wheel and excellent support bowling by Clint Reid turned the game on its head with St. Pat's losing its last six wickets for just 12 runs in nine overs to be bowled out for 221 in 78 overs. Wheel took four for 51, Reid three for 18 and McCormack two for 29 to orchestrate a magnificent Bushies comeback as they headed into day two and 222 runs for a grand final spot. After losing Greg McGilvray early for four, Fraser Bremner, 48, and Torquay McKillop, 24, took the score along to 70 before St. Pat's spinner, Kane Aaron Duchikas, took three wickets to have Talangada back on its heels at four for 78. Matt Armstrong and James Wheel were at the crease with the Bushies' hopes riding high on them. They delivered, both making half centuries in a 94-run stand. When Wheel was dismissed for 56, Talangada needed 41 for victory. Armstrong with 59 ensured the Bushies clinched victory with six overs to spare. It had capped off a great weekend for the Bushies, with their C-grade and under-14 teams both winning premierships. In the other preliminary final, a century by East Aubrey's Alex Popko set up the Crows' big win over Wodonga, who after finishing on top had lost both finals. Chasing Wodonga's 150, Popko hammered an unbeaten 115 as the Crows won with 65 overs left in the game. This meant that the Cricket or Wodonga Provincial Grand Final for 2014-15 would be second place East Aubrey against fifth place Talangada. The good news for the Bushies would be the return from firefighting duties of leading run scorer and all-rounder Nathan Thompson. Grand final preparations were going well after a good session on Tuesday night. 
What happened over the next 24 hours turned the close-knit community upside down with the tragic loss of Carmen Thomas, the wife of club president John Thomas, to complications with an asthma attack on the Wednesday. Matty Armstrong recalls the moment he found out the sad news, while John Thomas recalls the harrowing time and how he, the family, the club and the community got through this prior to the grand final in three days' time. Uh, driving back from work on the south coast of the grand final week. JT rang me on the mobile and I'd just come over the Clyde Mountain into mobile range and he, he sounded pretty choked up and said, I've got some something to tell you, mate. Uh, maybe you should pull over. And then he said to me, uh, Carmen had a severe asthma attack last night and, and we lost her. And it took me a moment or two to realise what that meant and the sort of extreme sadness and I guess the concern for the for JT and the Thomas family kicked in straight away. And um, I remember pretending like I was okay over the phone with JT. And I just tried to try to work out with him if there was anything I could do to help him or his family. But when I hung up, sat on the side of the highway by myself, I just remember just bawling my eyes out and uh, felt so sad for my great mates, I guess. And JT had lost a wife and, and Jonty and Ebony had lost a mother and the bedrock of their family. So it was pretty tragic. I had a quick job to do over on the coast, bigger area on dairy farms and so forth. And I just had to get over there for to see a couple of clients. I left about lunchtime on the Wednesday and yeah, drove, drove to Bega and a couple of visits and had dinner and got back to the motel and the phone rang at, oh, I think it was about 11 o'clock, 10 or 11, and it was Ebony and saying, oh, mum's crook with asthma and she said, um, we've just called an ambulance and I said, oh, okay, no worries, well, let me know because Carmen had uh, asthma issues off and on but n- nothing too serious. So I said, oh, just let me know what's going on and then uh, for the next 50 minutes it was yeah, phone call after phone call after phone call and I sensed things weren't going Travelling that well, and Janine, like Carmen's sister, was there, and had a few phone calls with her, and suggested that you better come home. And so I thought, well, shit, all right, so I better get get going. So I packed up the car and and took off, and got halfway up Brown Mountain, or <laughs> looked at the fuel gauge, and it was nearly empty. So <laughs> eleven o'clock at night, there's not much between Bega and and um, Kuma. So oh, I got to Kuma with um, one k left on the um, fuel and. And yeah. coasted down a hill and found a server and, and filled up. And then you know, I got home about half past four and I'd made some calls and I knew what was obviously had happened. And so it was a pretty lonely sort of trip home like, through the mountains and, and got home about half past four and it got, got the news given to me. And, and uh, yeah, it was, well, wasn't the best, nah. best thing to, to get home to. But yeah, it took, took some adjusting. And I, I guess the hardest part was telling the kids the next morning. And then like, the boys went to um, Janine. Carl's place and um, they, they stayed there that night. Yeah, so they, and they knew what what gone on. So I was fortunate in a way that the kids had the boys there. It would have been really, really tough on the kids if um, James and Josh went there and, and handled them the way they did. So it would have been a really tough thing for them. Like, they, they don't sign up for that. So it's just like, they, they sign up to come and play, enjoy themselves, and, and like, no one signs up for something like that. And obviously out of everyone's control. But um, it was yeah, it was a tough time for us all that, that period. So obviously. Week was just started off so well because we I played in the C grade and, and made a few runs and won C grade premiership. Uh, dropped my son on the Thursday night, so it was a bit of sweet for that. But then um, we I coached the under 14s and they won the premiership that Sunday morning with um, John. He was playing in that, so that was fantastic. Everything was just we we're just cruising and thinking, oh well, we're 50-50 to win the big one, so it's going to be three flags for the club and. Happy days and yeah, then just the whole cricket thing sort of went back on the back burner because everything else uh, priorities changed pretty quickly. Yeah, and, I was um, president and um, I rang Michael Elderjack, the chairman, seven o'clock in the morning. 
because none of our players knew at the time, obviously at the time. I just gave my heads up that, look, this is what's happened. I'm not sure how the players are going to handle it. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I said, this is what's happened and be prepared for whatever happens after this. So, yeah, and so the day was pretty bit of a blur that day because I hadn't slept. I didn't, I didn't get to sleep until about probably 11 o'clock that Thursday night, so it was a 48-hour sort of gig. Yeah. Then I rocked up to training. Boys trained. News had obviously got out. They just had a quick chat to the boys before they started training, just just told them oh, opportunity still is there and life's all about opportunities and I talked about, a bit about karma and so forth and her, her love of, of our crew club and, and, and the players in it. So they trained and I went down at Janine and Carl's and with family and so forth and um, then all of a sudden Matt turned up, Matt Armstrong turned up after training with all the boys and probably a really good hour and a half, two hours, just standing out the front of the house in the street having a couple of drinks and just talking and... I think it was good for the players, but it was certainly fantastic for my kids and, and myself and Jenny and Carl as well. Obviously doing it tough and Jenny, yeah, she was a rock for the for us all and, and Carl. I, I had to talk to Cogo because he, he hadn't, I hadn't been in touch with him and Killer and, and yeah. Jones. So I rang them that night while we were in the street and just had a quick chat to them, make sure that they were okay, um, that Cogo was okay and Neil as well. Unbeknownst to me, but Lady came out as well. So he, he rocked up because like, Lady left our um, our club and went to St Pat's to play with his son, which was fantastic for him. He's a life member of our crew club and a big part of what we do, so spend some time with him and, and catch up. Yeah, our, our committee at the time were, yeah, they just stood up when, when needed. I guess leadership from Matt, right from when I told him, he was second caller mate after Erdl, right from the time I told him to um, to the end of the game, he, like, he's he just stood up and he's... Just shows the sort of person and character that he is. And the way he performed and led led from that Thursday night through to to the Sunday was amazing. Probably un, yeah. undersold a little bit. Circumstances around Carmen's death, um, they needed to do an autopsy, and the coroner had to do a report. So it was going to be a ten day wait before we could ha- have closure with the funeral and that. So I told myself on the Friday that all right, let's put two days put it aside for two days, get this cricket thing out of the way, and, and we we went back home. We we stayed at Janine's and Carl's Thursday night, the boys and the kids and myself. The boys wanted to get home. So we went home and just different, but we tried to be as normal as we could. It was quiet and we watched TV and, and just talked a little bit. And I think it was good for the boys just to sleep in their own beds and, and the kids as well, just to be home and just put it aside for a, for a short time. But yeah, I rocked up and the first person I saw was Gary Essex from East Aubrey and he just gave me a hug and the support that I received from East Aubrey was amazing. I, they um, partook in the minute silence and at the start of the game, but, but yeah, support from them and, and their supporters and also CAW people um, in general, like other clubs and that. It was really good. People just give me a hug and they don't have to say anything. They just, you know, the support's there and that was made a big difference for me. It was, yeah, fantastic. Play commenced after a moving and emotional minute silence was observed by players, officials and supporters for Carmen Thomas. Matt Armstrong won the toss and batted on a magnificent autumn's day with the Les Cheesley Oval in Wodonga in pristine condition. A steady start from openers Greg McGilvray and Torquay McKillop produced a 50-run stand before Cameron White bowled McGilvray for 22 in the 24th over. The next hour's play belonged to East Aubrey as they took another three wickets to leave Talangada four for 89 after 46 overs. Taking the score on to one for 77 as James McNeil comes in again. Well played. He got the bars off in a flash and that brings about the 
in on a good innings from Talky McKillop, who is out for 35. He's stuck waiting, bowl James McNeil. Barber resumes and he bowls to Brendan. He's hit at the first slip and he's out. Well, he had two grubs at it. And the catch there, it's a good one in the end taken by Barrett. Bramley just fielded the ball. Barber yeah. got him a little bit wide there, Hazy. I think he had two bobs of that. But anyway, in the end, no dramas at all. It's a very, very good first slips catch. Very good delivery, yeah. Very good catch. Dangled in. He just leaned forward on Just obviously a little bit of bounce out of the pitch. And uh, yeah, just got it straight to first slip. White comes in the ball again to Thompson. Oh, a big yeah. shot here. It's high in the air. Goes to mid wicket. Should be caught. And it is. Thompson's a pass for four for the wicket taker. There is Cam White. He has his second, and that's the loss of the fourth wicket for 89 runs for Talangada. This brought together the best two Talangada batters and the stars of the previous week's run chase against St. Pat's in James Wheel and Matt Armstrong. Both players scored 11 singles each from their first 14 scoring shots to consolidate and build a platform after the tea break. The pair started to increase the scoring rate with a spate of boundaries and superb batting to take the partnership over 100 and the score over 200. He shakes up to do just that. Oh dear, wow. Down the middle on, all the way almost, a couple of bounces into the fence for four. And they're starting to get motoring now, so laying it up. Four wickets down for 211. Now Will again, Shane oh, goes gosh, that's that's This is higher and longer. Does it have the legs? No, just short this time. One bounce and to the boundary. A couple of back-to-back -back boundaries and the over, taking Will to 67. Yeah, that's uh, the 70th over too, and uh, the Talangata Bush Rangers are really getting a hurry on here. There is four down for 216. Big crowd, a big contingent of Talangata supporters here today. They're starting to make plenty of noise. There's Armstrong on strike to Bridal, and Armstrong, he smashes it through mid-wicket. That should go all the way. It does. Save the legs, they say. And Matty Armstrong takes his score along to 64. 133-run stand was ended when Crow's skipper, James McNeil, reintroduced himself into the attack, taking the wicket of Wheel, and then three balls later, Josh Bousfield, to leave the Bushies six for 227 with eight overs left. Jimmy McNeil just twirling the ball from left to right. He composes himself now. 54 balls left in innings, and he's going to bowl to James Wheel. Comes in, and it's well bowled too. And it is a absolutely brilliant catch. Absolutely brilliant catch that Perrin bowled, and that is great captaincy, James McNeil. One Englishman departs, and another one comes to the crease. It'll be uh, Josh Bousfield as McNeil comes in, and he bowls, and it's a great shot from Bousfield. Just punches it through the covers. Who needs Jimmy Wheel? And he gets off the mark with a fine boundary. Well flighted, and it's well bowled. Armstrong and Steve Wood move the score along to six for 243 with five overs left. However, a huge total was missed courtesy of some excellent bowling by James McNeil and Cameron White who took nine wickets between them. Talangata skipper Matt Armstrong's magnificent innings came to an end at 83, not long after he had smacked his 12th boundary. Cam White now comes in, bowls to Armstrong. Armstrong goes long to mid-off. He could be out. He is. That's a very good catch in the outfield. Taken by Chris Veloster. The Bushies were bowled out in the 80th over for 264 when Clint Reid was caught on the boundary to give McNeil his fifth wicket. 
Now he comes Britt Neal to start the 80th over bowl. And it's Reed, and he goes big over square leg, and he's hit it straight down the throat. Of and it's five wickets for McNeil. It's a good catch there on the boundary. That was Nicky Hanlon. Brings about the end of the slinger inning. Ball out for 264. On another beautiful autumn day, East Aubrey commenced the run chase with an all-English attack greeting them, and it didn't take long for the brilliance of Wheel to make an impact. Comes in, and that might be an edge, and he's got him! Oh, Wheel gets the breakthrough. Hanlon spied it wide, and McGilvray takes a nice catch, and the first wicket falls here at Cheesley Oval. It's one for eight. James Wheel got the breakthrough. Great persistence of length there. Stuck with his round-the-wicket plan. Snick straight in the keeper's gloves, and the guy over the fence is thinking there's not many runs scored here, and I'm coming out to a pressure furnace, so that's a great start for Talangata. Wheel approaches, bowls the ball, oh. and him straight through Colson. Wheel has two, and he has very impressive figures and he's sixth over, he's now got two. Batsman, you see Hayden there stuck on the crease, not expecting anything to come up. Absolutely. Bangs, zingy, yeah. stumps everywhere, game over. East Aubrey go to two wickets down now for 33, uh, just a tick over 10 overs gone. This introduced another Englishman into the game with Crow's gun, number four, Ali Mahmood, joining Alex Popko, and after a steady start, they lifted the run rate with some heavy hitting in a quick-fire 50-run stand. Will continues, pulled off the back foot by Mahmood, through square leg, a lovely shot for four. Will in again, a short again, same result, in fact the better result, clears the fence here at Les Cheesley at square leg, and that is six, <laughs> ten off the first two balls of the eighth over of James Will. He got a piece of that, didn't he? Have they found the ball yet? Mm, I reckon they're it. probably lucky they're not running around on the on the footy ground, that was heading that way in a big shot. It might be down at Willow Park. <laughs> Here it comes. It's back. Well, Simon, you wouldn't have caught it with your form in crowd Hang catches. Hang on now. It was an absolute sinner. Yeah. Stevens, the ball to Pop. Stevens delivers. And Popko from standing start from the crease hits it over the top of cover. And it strolls into the fence for four more. Takes East Aubrey to two for 63. Popko moves along to 36. Mahmood, 15 not out. Of course, coming off a massive ton last week too. Need the big poppers. So probably seeing them like coconuts at the moment. Stevens in again to Popko. Stevens delivers. Popko oh. stand again, this time hitting over the top of point. That'll go through to the boundary again, and it'll take Popko into 40, and a score two for 68. Bit of time for a bit of spin, Aaron. Bit of pace off the ball. Yeah, well, I, don't, I haven't seen Popper's face spin, but I, Robbie Jackson, he took 20 off one over last week. Yeah, that was the one I got out of my front garden. Yeah. <laughs> Stevens, final ball of his over. It's full. Mahmood drives it beautifully through the covers across this slick outfield. That'll go to the fence. Save your legs. Another four to Mahmood. Takes him to 19. So here comes Bousfield with the breeze this time. Bowls and Popko punches him through the covers shot. with a delightful shot. That'll go all the way to the boundary. Oh, and Alex Popko, he has gone along to 45 now. And of course, it was 115 not out against Wodonga in the preliminary final last week. She's been a rollicking half hour of cricket here. Bowsfield comes in and it's short. Mahmood gets a fair piece, but I reckon it'll go all the way. McKillop chases hard. Can he get there? No, he can't. And that's four more to Ali Mahmood. He goes along to 23 and the score is along to two for 82. The introduction of spin in the form of bushy skipper Matt Armstrong after the drinks break stalled the flow of runs and despite Popko being dropped in the previous over, it was Armstrong who made the breakthrough with the final ball of his second over. Bousfield bustles in, bowls to Popko and he dropped it! He has been dropped at first slip, a catch low to Fraser Bremner. 
Bowls again. Popko, it strikes him on the pad. Big appeal out, giving LBW. Armstrong gets the breakthrough on the back of his 83. He gets the biggest scout for East Aubrey today. Popko departs for 48. No, no, that drop catch didn't really hurt them in, after, in the long run. Remarkably, in the next five overs, three more catches, all off the unlucky Josh Bousfield, were put down, with Ali Mahmood and James McNeil both benefiting from fielders behind the stumps. Bousfield bustles in, bowls to McNeil, McNeil, oh, now a catch, and it went through to the keeper, they've run down the leg side, they'll get two runs, now it'll be interesting, keep an eye on Wayne Allen, the umpire, and he signals run, so that is a drop catch, a tough one for Greg McGilvray, it went to his left, he got a good gov on it, James McNeil survives on one, he's been put down down the leg side. Comes Bousfield again, and this time, oh, oh, there was an inside head peeling for quarter slip. There's Some a few words. words happening here. Bousfield and McNeil, they go at it. Nordo with just that last ball before the over. We believe that was another chance to sort of just grasp its second slip. Yeah, look, the way Bousfield appealed, it was sort of like a bit half-hearted, but then when it sort of nearly got, it got grasped at, at mm. uh, second slip. I reckon they were going up for the quarter. I reckon it was a little inside edge on that. God, he's unlucky Bousfield at the moment. I'll tell you, there's three or four chances. Bousfield in again, right arm over the wicket, bowling from the hospital, and there's oh. an edge and drop that second slip. Mahmood, the batsman on strike, they'll pick up another couple here, and that would be, I think, four drop catches so far this morning, guys. Mahmood goes to 34, the score three for 106. Bousfield down here too, guys, just keep an eye on this. Yeah, I think he's exasperated with, just, I think he's heartbroken. Yeah, probably. That's fourth catch off his bowling. Yeah, Reedy threw the right mid out and got a bit of it. He's got some, you got big hands, Reedy, he's a farmer. Big old hands on him and he should have grabbed that one. Look at Bousfield, I tell you, he's, he's just shattered at the moment. He's fourth catch off his bowling. However, just like the Popco drop catch, the missed chances did not make Talanga to pay when they delivered two massive blows to the East Strawberry middle order to leave the Crows five for 107. And here comes oh. Armstrong now, and he bowls, and it's full, and this will be out! Oh, what a catch! Oh, catch. Oh, that's a loot beauty from Bousfield. He leapt high at mid-on, and he's caught it one-handed. The same man who's had four catches dropped off his own bowling takes an absolute beauty. Heath Norton, tell us about that catch. Well, I actually thought it was Tomo to start with. I thought he hasn't got a hope in hell. He's not going to get off the ground. But when Bousfield oh. realised it was Bousfield, he was sort of facing the wrong way and nearly caught it backhanded, didn't he? He was sort of he stuck the right arm up and just grabbed it. Ali Mahmood, who departs for 34 runs. The score is four for 107. And this game is on an absolute knife edge at the moment. Wheel again now, bowling to James McNeil comes in and he lets it go and he's gone he's given him he hasn't played a shot and McNeil's been given out he still stands at the crease and James Wheel five for 107 the East Aubrey Crows and Heath Norton that's one of your pet hates I absolutely hate when batsmen do not play a shot take out to get away with it the first time but eventually you are going to get pinged and then James McNeil has just been pinged for not playing a shot was very unhappy with the decision stood there for a good 10-15 seconds Shaking his head, still cannot believe he's been given out LBW. End of the day, you've got a bat, you use a pelt. Well, it was uh, it was McNeil and White that did all the damage with the ball for East Aubrey, and it is Wheel and Armstrong that are certainly now reaping the rewards here for the Bushies, and East Aubrey are now five down. That's right, five down for 107. The two new batters, Dylan Weeding and Joel Shepard, survived to tee with Armstrong giving nothing away and Wheel bowling a terrifying spell, while the commentary team confronted its own storm. 
Key word there is quality, fast bowler. Yep. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's good at his trade. Will approaching the crease in his 10th over. Delivers and all, oh, just getting under it, weeding. He That's... ducked. It didn't appear that short. No, it wasn't that short, was it? I don't know how he got under it. Weeding yeah. got very low. Headset nearly wore that on the emblem. Might have just nicked the helmet on the way through, guys. It was, it was very accurate. Brilliant bowling. Straight at the scone. Would have hit him probably chest height, and he stayed in the upright position. Wonderful delivery. Will, with his back up right now, he can sniff another couple of wickets in this. Delivers again. Weeding, beating the outside edge. This is some spectacular fast bowling by James Will. He's got him on the ropes. Look, just to paint a picture, Greg McGilvray standing back. Oh, a good pitch length from the batsman. He's taken that on his chin in front of his blue zinc cream on his face. And if you're in sleeps, you'd want to be warming them hands up because this ball is coming through. Whirly wind uh, going towards mid-wicket. Hang Let's say that doesn't marquee. come to long on. <laughs> it's actually coming straight oh, on. Hello. Hang on this, to the this marquee. Could be Hang on. I've got there we the go. Yeah. Hello. Anything could happen here. Right. Oh, yeah. Look at that. When you need him. Oh. <laughs> Nice little whirly win. It's working its way. Just hang in there, Norda. You can hear the breeze in the background as Armstrong continues. <laughs> Weeding let that one go, and it has just shaved off stump. A little bit about as close as that whirly win came to our little tent here. That was blowing that hard. They should have named that. <laughs> Cyclone wheel. It'd be very appropriate today. So T was taken with East Aubrey, five for 128, and with a big job ahead of them. They were, however, scoring at the required run rate and could afford a period of consolidation after the break to get back in the game. This is exactly what happened as both Weeding and Shepherd batted together for an hour and a half after the break with a couple of drop chances further tormenting the Bushies. Armstrong again. Bowls, weeding back and oh. pulling this one high in the air. He could be caught and it is not oh, taken. Just Not sure if it was drop, guys, or just short. Drop. Weeding will pick up a couple drop ball. Who is that out there, Reed, guys? That's Reedy out there. Reed out there. He's had a tough day in the field. And a couple <laughs> did a good, for Weeding. The veteran did a good job to get into that. But uh, I saw that was Reedy and just said, yep, two there. Table. <laughs> <laughs> and he bowls. Pitch it up oh. and he's dropped. That it was a tough catch. Reedy, was it? it was a short cover. Oh. Oh. Ned McCormack at short cover. Not his it, fingers yet. Oh, there he is. It was yeah. a low full Absolute toss. And he rocket. smashed it. And I reckon he saved four runs, boys, as much oh, as anything. Oh, yeah. As part of the 1494 2AY commentary team, Cricket Orbidonga, Cricket of the Year, Cade Brown, was asked how he would go about getting the breakthrough, while fellow commentators Jerem Hayes and Trent Boyle reflected on the nerves for the next batters coming in and a Russian connection to the broadcast. Brownie, before we let you go, mate, we're going to pretty keen to go on the attack. How are they going to get that wicket? Don't know. Uh, thanks, <laughs> Special <laughs> comments, mate. Yeah. Can, you, can you be a bit more elaborate? <laughs> I think Borsfield's No, right. that's pretty comprehensive. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think I'm with Brownie. Well, you don't know well, all you the don't, At the moment, you've yeah. got to change it up. Yeah. What's your work? You what are Nordo and Westy and Hazy doing? Boys might just get them back in the box. Now's <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the sheds, Bully, and, uh, and you are very, very nervous. So I can 100% guarantee that. A couple of years ago, I uh, in the same situation. Well, it was against you. I actually didn't go very well. But more to the point, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with the fact that I actually was petrified. I was oh, in there. Yeah. Uh, you walk out, there's a reasonably it, big crowd. If that's what I mean. This wicket here, these two blokes are set. For them now, it's not a grand final. They're just batting. Yeah, exactly but right. for the next two yep. blokes coming in, it's a different... You would have felt then, Hazy, too, you coming in the same situation. It's not just another game or you're not already... These blokes are set, so it's different for them, whereas yep. you coming in, 
you're under the pump and you think, fuck, where am I going to get that next run? You know, that day that has you happened. I mean? so, that, that day yeah, had some yeah. and, and number 11, Jared Brown, he was actually dry reaching at the back of the sheds, <laughs> waiting to come in. Probably from his escapades the night before, <laughs> yeah. knowing Jared. Did. Tell you what, they are listening all around the world, boys. Unbelievable. As we said, Heath Norton uh, spoke to someone last night, made contact, someone listening in Moscow, and I guess uh, they'll be doing something to pass the day in Moscow this time of the year. Oh, those Russians. Murph, you enjoyed that one? Oh, I'm just worried where it might end up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I won't go there, mate. Mr. Gorbachev. I think Norto's been in the Kremlin. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, minus a birthmark on the he, forehead, but he could, he could, he could almost uh, double as one of those um, KBG agents, couldn't he, you know? <laughs> One of those blokes, yeah. We could be unearthing something. Yeah. Could be a spy. <laughs> could well be. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Here comes Will. Bowls to Handler, and he's just... Well, I give credit there, Handler. He let that one go in there, and he played it very late, and it's gone through to the keeper. <laughs> you know, ASIO do screen all media, and they hear words like spy. We could have helicopters here before you know it, Westy. Oh, pretty safe to find him. He's going to be at Xavier the mowing, <laughs> eating sausages. <laughs> well, there you go, eh? Matt Armstrong bowled 17 overs straight while Steve Wood had five overs and Nathan Thompson won as the Bushies tried everything to break the partnership. The introduction of veteran Clint Reid into the attack proved a masterstroke as he broke the partnership in his third over after starting with two maidens. He just needs to straighten up a bit. I'll just, he's a little bit too wide of all stumps. Maybe it's even time for, for Greg McGilvray to get up to the stumps to Reedy. So, Reed, line-hearted Talangata boy right from day one. In he comes now, and he charges in, and he bowls full, and shit, and he nicked it! He's got him! Oh, the life member! He struck! And Shepard departs, caught McGilvray, bold read, and that is a huge She's breakthrough. It's sick for 183. Yeah, you're quite right, Hazy. Lucky the keeper <laughs> didn't come up, although, jeez, uh, that was the breakthrough. There was a breakthrough you could sense, Robbie. You called it a while ago. The game turned a little bit. They were on a knife's edge. They were cutting back uh, the fielding. They dried up the runs, and uh, a false shot there and the big breakthrough. Not long after that, Reed, who had missed a couple of chances early in the day, had the bushy supporters with their hearts in their mouth as another chance came the way of Reed. Um, I sort of generally used to chuck me on the fence when the spinners were on because it wasn't too bad under the high ball to catch. And he sort of said to me, as I was running down, he said, make sure you're 10 metres off the fence because you haven't got a great arm. Anyway, I had a couple of mates that were driven down from a fair way to see me and they're on the cans. They kept saying, saying stuff to me and I kept getting a bit, a bit closer and talking to them. And I've just always had that sort of habit, you know, a bloke talks to me, I just talk back and probably a little bit laid back at times. And I got back too far and a bloke hit one, skied one, and I thought, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And I just, I reckon not even that far about a foot short, bounced through me. And I, I think they might have ran two even, sort of coming up there and Armo's eyeball them and I just got a bit close and I thought, oh, no, it's coming in. Anyway, he said, what did I say? And I said, oh, didn't manage off the fence. He goes, oh, stop, get, get, get talking to the people on the fence and concentrate. I was still having a crack as he normally does and I was fielding in the uh, short mid-wicket or mid-wicket area, which I've, he skied one and went way up. And I thought, oh, shit. I thought, I've got to catch this. I've got, to ca- I've got to catch this. That's all I remember just going for a minute. I've got to get this. For a start, I lost it. And I thought, oh. So I sort of spat around. That's what someone said to me. He said, you went around a couple of times. And I was just trying to pick it up. And I lost it because I just I just kept remembering thinking, this is taking forever. <laughs> and then I sort of I got it back in my eye line with about a metre and a half before it hit the ground. I'm glad I've got huge hands because it sort of just sat right. Like I just put my hand in it. just sat right in the middle of it. And I remember just looking up and Armo was just sprinting towards me and jumping. He just jumped straight on me back. And he's yelling, my man, my man. Like, and he said, I'm glad you caught that. He said, I reckon I hit you 100 high balls on Thursday night. And you never dropped one. I'm glad you caught that. All right, here we go. Around the wicket. Meloster goes high. This is in the air. Reed is under it. This is a huge moment. 
And he's taking the catch. Oh, oh Reed has taken the catch. Will gives Melostra a send-off. And that is a huge wicket a in a huge occasion. It's seven for 211. Melostra is out. Reed has taken a great catch running away from the ball. It was skied high, and it's a brilliant finish for a good inning. Hasn't he played a big moment in the game? He breaks through and then he's held on to a, what potentially could be the match third, winning catch. Third time, yeah. like he, he did drop a couple of tough chances earlier. But I'm sure ball. they're forgiven now. Six runs later, James Wheel delivered a massive blow to East Aubrey, removing top scorer Dylan Weeding when Greg McGilvray took one of the catches of the season. And then after six straight maiden overs and a mountain of pressure, the previously unlucky Bowsfield knocked over Chris Bridle. Now around the wicket. Oh! And an edge and the right mid waiting to pass for 60. Oh, and they can sniff a victory now to Langenhoff. Oh, how about that, Murph? Diving away, taking a one-hander. Magnificent catch. <laughs> Tell you what, East Aubrey are now eight down for 217. Still got 11 overs after this one. So uh, time, 60-odd balls in the game. Bowsfield now bowls the ball. Bowl him! He's clean bowled him! He came round the wicket and the Englishman's gone bang. And that's the end of Bridal for two. Game is getting close to an end here. It is nine for 218, East Aubrey. They still require 47. There's one wicket left. The Crows now needed 47 runs for victory and the Bushies just one more wicket as Sean Barrett and Cameron White mounted a Crows comeback as the massive crowd remained captivated as the drama continued. Barrett releasing a large it's hit deep mid-wicket. It's caught. It's, it's six. six. It's cleared the mid-wicket. <laughs> mid-wicket fence for six. That's a big shot by Sean Barrett. Oh, Takes him to 14. The go. score's nine for 236. And again, Armstrong bowling to Barrett. This time Barrett oh, plays through. Oh, Armstrong oh, dropped oh, a difficult oh, court and bowl chance straight down the wicket. It was oh. hit firm and that could have been the match. I think that's the seventh catch that has been spilled. Wheels first over back cost seven runs as Matt Armstrong commenced his 25th over. Armstrong, Barrett goes bang and he hits it long and hard. Wheel comes in quickly from mid on. He gathers and he keeps the scoring to one. White can go long. He can go yeah. hard. So if they bring him right up and crowd the bat, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for him to get a boundary. Nudge one to square leg here. There's a bit of a gap there and try and get a single. And they need 20 to win. And Armstrong, he's bowled him! Clean bowled him. Well, I wouldn't say clean bowled. He's knocked the off bow off the ground. Matty Armstrong is all over. Cameron White has been bowled. He has lost his off stump. Talangata win an amazing, exciting grand final. Emotions spilled over as players were swamped by hundreds of Talangata supporters and family, with the president, John Thomas, being swamped by his devoted players, family and friends to rubber stamp one of the great grand final wins in local cricket history. Thomas recalls the final nervous moments. And I'm, I'm not a great cricket watcher, so I, I, I walked a few laps and talked to people, not, no big conversations, but just say hello and carry a water bottle around for the, for the boys if they needed it. But, but then the second day was, um, yeah, it was just even the float all. Just like the first day, it was it was incredible, and that last wicket just seemed to take forever. And I remember because we had a lot of people from Tulanga there, it was fantastic, and um, obviously friends of Carmen and myself, and they've never watched cricket in their life, but they were there to probably support us and 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 to be there in in memory of Carmen, and and um, we we're all sitting together, and I just remember sitting on an esky and just not really even watching. From 20 runs down, I thought, oh, shit, we're in trouble here. Yeah, I might have said, said something like, Carmen, just get us a wicket. And um, and then, yeah, Matt got that the final wicket and 
it's just probably a relief after all that. No one deserved it more than what our players did and the, um, James and Josh and, and Matt, I think they were just outstanding. The celebrations, whilst respectful of the moment, allowed the players to let their hair down and enjoy some funny moments. As the leader of the celebration pack, Clint Reid, recalls. I enjoy this sort of off-field sort of stuff very much so. And the boys, they turned it on a bit. I think um, the Pommy boys, they're pretty tired. They had a pretty big week and, and, you know, fair enough, you know, to them. And they thought getting on top of a table and going to sleep, everyone would uh, leave them alone. And anyway, next minute I see Armo coming out with, with the glad wrap. And I thought, oh, what's going on here? Anyway, so I'm a glad rush them to the table, top of the table. And we left them there pretty much to the um, next day. <laughs> so, you know, they probably had a good 10 or 12 hours on, on a table full of grog. And, you know, you can sort of imagine what, how, they were, how they were traveling. Nettie McCormick and I, you know, Tina was going around the rooms afterwards saying, everyone, well done, well done. Patting blokes in the back. And he sort of got Ned and I, he just looked at us both and said, behave, and patted us on the back. And Ned and I sort of looked at each a bit of a grin on our face and we we were having a fair old day and we just got into the second day of it. Boys were sort of starting to tire out and Ned said, oh, come on, Reedy, let's go home. We'll go home and get some fresh clothes. And we live out in a farm not far from each other. And his mother had given us a fair lecture about not drink driving and, and that. And I said, well, if we take all our clothes off and we pull up, she won't go crooked us, surely. Then we go in the four-wheel drive and... She's met us at the door and just given it to us, which is fair enough, I suppose. We probably shouldn't have been doing it. And anyway, we took our medicine and she said, look, I'll take you back in, boys. Didn't worry, you won't have a car. What she forgot is that we had Ned's car in there. We'd been driving in around the town, but we forgot where we'd actually left it. So <laughs> we drove around for about an hour with her, looking for it, some power look. And like I said, fair enough. And finally remember where we'd put it. So we pulled up and it's in, it's in this garage and we go in there and we go to get it and look at the, under the front seat. Here's Armo <laughs> tucked in. <laughs> Ducked in asleep in the car. He was hiding down the front underneath the front seat trying to keep out of the sun. He was that hot. <laughs> we left him in there. <laughs> so, you know, things like that went on. And look, it's all very, it's all great fun, you know, like, and all harmless. Ebony Thomas, who was nine at the time, reflects on the game, her big brothers, and her best friend and mum. It is all a bit of a blur. I do remember the minute of silence before the game started. My whole family was there, like, there was so many people. Oh, it was amazing seeing how many people were there and to know that they were there to not only support the team but support us at that time was with Jonty and Dad next to me and Michael Erdeljack as well at the time. Having the boys come and shake our hands and give hugs and all that was really special. After the game, well, everyone being so tense, like, it's so close and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. This was nine-year-old me not knowing the rules of cricket just yet, surprisingly. And then I just remember that last ball being bowled and just the energy in the crowd and dad just jumping over the fence and pulling me over the fence was insane and running out to the boys. I think I ran straight to Josh and then cut to presentations. I remember handing out medals on the back of the truck, trying to give the boys room to get their photos done. I would like try to run off the truck and Armo pulling me in and then looking back at the photos, I'm just the centre of attention in all of them, which is really special to me to look back on at those photos and really showed what sort of family that um, team is. And the funny thing was, after the celebrations kept on going throughout the next couple of days, um, I went to school on the Monday. Dad picked me up from school and 
I was like, okay, we're going to go home now. Went to turn to go home and we went the other way. I was like, where are we going? And he was like, oh, we're going to the pub. I was like, not often would a nine-year-old get picked up from school and then say they're going to the pub for a Mad Monday session. <laughs> the relationship I have with both the boys is really special. It's definitely like having another pair of brothers. And after going what we went through together while they were here is we're always going to have that bond. I mean, it, there's always those check-ins with them and talking to them regularly. Like, if we don't talk for a while and then we suddenly text each other, it'll be exactly how it was when we last left off. Yeah, no, they're both really special to me and I'm planning to go over there after I finish school and just see them, actually miss them. I'd never admit it to them personally, but no, nah, they're definitely very special to me. The relationship I had with my mum was amazing. It's definitely like a any mother-daughter relationship at those young ages. Best friends, we'd cook, listen to music, go to the cricket, do all that. I'd go to her work and sit behind the counter at the ANZ and definitely a lot of memories that I'm going to be cherishing forever, especially like going to my first concert with her and they're just going to be memories that I'm going to be keeping forever. The star all-rounder James Will, he will never forget his experiences at the club and the Thomas family. Obviously an amazing time to be over there with him and awful what we went through together, but in a way glad I experienced that with him and learned everything about himself and his family and um, a blessing um, for me of how grateful I was for them. And yeah, I don't think many people can say they've um, been treated like uh, the likes of myself, Josh and Paul did over them um, a few years with the family and with JT, Johnny, Ebony, Carmen, um, the extended family welcoming into the lives and the homes and everything. Um, was Yeah, it was amazing and... Yeah, I'll be forever grateful to that and I hope JT knows that. Yeah, we still obviously now, um, we stay in touch. Yeah, it just shows um, the person that he is that we still mean so much to him that I'm sure no doubt there'll be a moment in the near future where we'll be able to be together again and, yeah, spend some more time and I can repay him for all the gratitude he's given me and everything that he offered me as a young cricketer that's probably put me in the position I am now which is yeah moving into probably 10th year in professional cricket in England and he's been supportive as and I probably would never have been in this situation if I hadn't gone to um, to Langley in 2014 after being released by Durham being given the opportunity to continue my cricket and obviously all the coaching and facilities that were provided by to Langley that allowed me to get back into my bowling and put my name back on Durham's books which was 100% was down to my performances in Australia which was obviously gifted to me by being able to be in Talangadur at the time and everything was put on a plate for me by Talangadur and JT and a million other people that I'd thank. But yeah, it's been a brilliant time and yeah, never forget the Thomas family and what Carmen and JT have done for me and still get in touch with Ebony and Johnny, see how they're ticking on, which I'm wishing them the best. However, the last word is left with the skipper, the player of the match and the man who kept it all together in incredibly difficult times, Matty Armstrong. Plenty of ups and downs, certainly the weeks leading in and, and the week after the match were all really great and challenging at the same time. So the, I guess just the planning that went into the to the game and, and trying to ensure that the, the tragedy didn't tear us apart and that we could use it somehow to galvanise the group was really important. Um, the amount of support and love that we got from the whole CRW community was incredible. So the officers' support were just, uh, just mind-boggling. The game itself, um, it was an incredible contest. Um, I know the adrenaline from me was flying for two days, so... I was trying my best to reel it in and not get too excited and make sure I was calm and, and skippering the boys well. For myself, the most uh, pleasing moment was probably the 10th wicket celebration after we 
finally won the games. I remember it pretty well. I bowled a nice little arm ball to my mate Cameron White and he played inside the line and it just knocked his off bail off. Greg McGilvray was there and he charged down the wicket and went for a high five with me and um, somehow he ended up flat on his back and then I remember Reedy running in from short mid wicket and he just tackled Groggy and, and was all over him and then I turned around and the next person there was uh, one of our greatest ever clubmen, Manny Chisari. He'd run in all the way from the boundary to get onto the ground, beat most of the players into the centre to celebrate so I gave Manny a big hug and then then the real highlight for me was turned around the next person there was JT yeah he just gave me a big hug and I uh, you know remember running my finger through his hair and just um, all the emotion just poured out in that particular moment I'm really lucky the um, border mail captured that moment in a photo and it sits pretty proudly on my wall at home so yeah that was certainly the highlight for me um, yeah and what was an incredible week for the club and an incredibly sad time for the Thomas family it all kind of came together in, in that fraction of a second and, and that was that the Talangata team was Captain Coach Matt Armstrong, Fraser Bremner, Torquay McKillop, Greg McGilvray, Nathan Thompson, James Wheel, Josh Bousfield, Ned McCormack, Clint Reed, Sam Stevens, father Steve Wood, and his son Nick Wood. What a story of a family, club, and community who pulled together to claim an unforgettable premiership after being confronted with such a terribly sad loss of one of its most loved members. Another huge thanks to episode sponsors NZ Aubrey, Keating Avery Solicitors and Complete Wealth for making it all possible. Until next time, thank you for listening, stay safe and we'll catch you for the next episode of Glory Days.